What is going on, guys? Welcome to Real Men Talk. Today, we're going to be talking about marriage. Uh, we're going to be talking about how God designed marriage. We're going to go back to the very beginning. We're going to be talking about the design of marriage and some issues that we that people typically men typically have today with marriage and uh, how we have misconstrued it. Have we mis- misconstrued certain um, aspects of marriage? And uh, so we're going to kind of dig deep into it and. Thankfully, uh, Mr. Kyler Sal's back with us. We're excited, so let's get started on Real Men Talk. Welcome to Real Men Talk, discussing the tough issues facing men and their families every day. Here are your hosts. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Real Men Talk again. Kyler, what's going on, man? Hey guys, what's up? I'm so glad to be back. Oh, it's good. It's good to have you back, dude. I'm glad you had a good vacation, but uh, we are we are glad that you're back. We missed you last week. Yes, but I'm sure you and Josh did a great job. If you haven't heard that one, go back and listen to that one. Well, I'm sure, it's amazing. Josh did a good job, so um, that's really all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> it's Josh. He doesn't ever do a bad job, right? Yeah, that dude's phenomenal. Kind of annoying at times, but it's all right. <laughs> Love you, Josh. So, all right. So today we're gonna be talking about marriage. Um, we're going to be talking, you know, of course, whenever we dig into marriage, we got to go right back to the beginning. And, uh, and so we're going to go to right back to Genesis chapter two and, uh, which is the creation, um, breaking down the creation. So we're going to go to verse 20. It says the man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky and to every wild animal. But for the man, no helper was found corresponding to him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall over him, all over the man, and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh in the, at the place. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. The man said, this one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman for she was taken from man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they became one flesh. That's through verse 24. And so you see right right here, right in, in the very foundation, the, the, very found, the, the very framework of everything that God was creating, he thought so much of marriage that he created it right then and there. You know, and there there are many many reasons why God created marriage. Um, you know, but one of them, especially you know, when you when you get into um, the, the you know creating societies, marriage is is important because you know we reprocreate, and um, it, you know you in order to have the next generation, uh, marriage is is an important part, right? Uh, I, I know people. Mm-mm, people lose sight of that yes. right people um tend to think that sex is okay outside of marriage that is not the way it was designed god didn't just throw a man and woman in there uh and be like hey go at it you know whatever happens happens that's not the way he designed it he designed for them to 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 be together to go through life together to raise children together and um and that that is marriage it is and we've taken it and we've changed it into we've talked about this in the past our truth we've changed it into what we have ordained it and that's how the devil works he slowly changes the design because he thinks that he can change the design and that's not how it works but he changes the meaning behind 
what God has designed. And God designed sex. He designed marriage to be a biblical union between one man and one woman. And we've changed that to, you know, I mean, for lack of better terms, to whatever we want. Right. Man, man, woman, woman, everything else there is. And that's not how God ever originated it. And what we do is we now take and there's churches who, you know, support the LGBTQ plus community who, who change the verses. They're like, oh, well, it wasn't transcribed correctly. And it really wasn't this and that. And no, it was, it was one man, one woman. And that's how God ordained it. And right. when we go through, we can't change the meaning from God. And Eve was made directly from Adam. And at that time they became one person, one flesh, one body in Christ. That's right. You know, and, and so everything that is outside of that design, right. It's not really marriage, right? You, you can you can call it same sex marriage, the same sex of marriage if you want to, but it's not marriage because that's not the way that it was designed. That's not the way it was created. You know, you can't take a a light bulb, right, and then take a paper bag and call it a light bulb. It's two completely different things. Exactly. You know, you can't. It's not. It's not designed to do the same thing. Two women together in relationship cannot do the same thing a man and a woman or two men in a relationship cannot do the same thing as a man and a woman. It is not the same thing. It is not marriage because that's not the way that it was designed, you know, and we've lost sight of of this. And, um, you know, we 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 take so many aspects of marriage um, out of context. You know, you see you hear all the time, you know, well, it's just a piece of paper. Right. Um, you, you know, I was listening. I was talking to a guy I was working in a factory and I was young and uh, he was talking about going out on his wife. And I was like, dude, aren't you married? And and I kid you not. He he had his wedding ring on and he said, now I'm married. And he took it off. He said, now I'm not. And that that was that was his view of marriage. Like there was nothing important to it. And you can call it a piece of paper or whatever you want. But in the in the beginning, it was designed as a covenant be- between a man, a woman and God. Right. That you were going to take the wife and protect her and care for her and love her. And she was going to take the the husband and she was going to care for him and love him. And they were going to go through life together with God to raise a family in the image of God. Right. Right. And um, this uh, in in this study here, and, and I don't know who. Uh, he said, it says the institute, the institution of marriage, home and family as the basic medium for the, uh, for the propagation of the race and the training of the young. So the common is so common to human history that people seldom pause to reflect on how or why such a custom came into being. And that's so true. Mm-hmm. Well, we we've completely lost sight of of what marriage really is, and, and you know, and because of that, we've lost sight of sex. We've lost sight of uh, of raising a family. We've lost sight as men of taking care of our families, taking care of our wives. Um, you, you know, you see so many homes now that that are without uh, a, a husband. You know, and we we see. Um, you know, the, the misuse of sex inside of marriage, you know, and, and I'm going to be honest with you and, and I'm going to be really transparent. Um, you know, for, I was, I, I was married for a long time before I realized I was misusing sex in, in, in my marriage. 
and uh, we we had kids, we had all this, and I and and I had I had to go and I had to apologize. Um, you, you know, I was using sex for for one thing; it was for me. Uh, you, you know, and um, for a long time, I was I was addicted to pornography, and uh, it almost ruined my marriage. And uh, so my my view of of sex, my worldview of sex, was skewed. It was dirty, and um, whenever we I, we did this study in men's group on marriage, and I heard this guy and he was talking about how sex was a form of worship, and it made me feel dirty on the inside because because my view of sex was so awful, right? And it was so dirty. And so to put sex and worship or sex and God in the same sentence was, was so, it was, it, it was filthy. Right. And it was, it was me and my misunderstanding of sex, because as I learned and as I grew closer to God and God began to, de- he delivered me of that pornography and he healed my ver- my view of sex. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I began to understand that the 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 importance of sex in a marriage and what it really is and why God created it and um and and man it was it, it hurt me to to know that I had been um for lack of better terms misusing my wife for years and did not even realize that I was doing it that way mm-hmm. and um and, and it was it was a hard lesson to learn but you know those the culture today has has um has skewed the view of sex in such a way that you know it it's okay for for everybody at any time at you know anywhere now you got places like like uh california that are pushing for sex like pedophile sex and you know, and that's another whole daggum podcast I can get on for your tangent. That one. Yeah, like that. That I makes me fighting mad. But anyways, um, we're not. But my my point is, my point is, is they constantly skew sex. So what happens is, sex inside of God's design is perfect. It is fulfilling. It is satisfying because it is perfect in that sense. Inside of marriage between a husband and a wife sex is perfect right because mm-hmm. that's the way god designed it when you take it out it perverts it yes. well when you pervert it it can't satisfy you exactly right and so you have to continue to you have to continue to pervert it you have continued to to distort it in order to to get a, a like a almost like a drug like a high off of it yes right and so no longer is just a little bit uh, of you know whatever um, you, you know, a, a girl in a bikini, okay anymore. You, you know, now now she needs to be topless. Now she needs to be naked. Now she needs to be in action. Now she needs to be hurt. Now she, you, you know, now she needs to be younger. Yep. And, and you see these things, and this is the reason why this stuff has happened is because God has has created something. We have taken it out. We have perverted it. And in order for us to get any kind of satisfaction out of it, we have to continue to pervert it. Yes. And and really if we took it back to its original its original place inside the confines of marriage, it is satisfying because it is it is of God. Yes. You will never find fulfillment outside the order of God. Never. never. You, and he has created it in specific ways. And I love how um 
Christopher Ash, he did an essay over a biblical view of marriage. And he said in his definition, the biblical view of marriage is a God-given voluntarily sexual and public social union of one man and one woman from different families for the purpose of serving God. And he goes on to say that marriage was first instituted by God in the, in the order of creation given by God as an unchangeable, unchangeable, underline that word, foundation for human life. Marriage exists that, that through it, humanity can serve God through children, through faithful imp- intimacy, and through properly ordered sexual relationships. The union is patterned upon the union of God with his people, who we are his bride, Christ with his church. Within marriage, husbands are exercised a role of self-sacrificial headship and wise of posture of godly submission to their husbands. This institution points us to our hope of Christ returning to claim his bride, making a marriage a living picture of the gospel of grace. And I love exactly how he puts that as marriage is for the purpose of serving God. Yes. And you never can serve a leader if you work outside of their order. If you work outside of how they have ordained it, think of it like work. You never will go to work and you will never do something that your boss tells you not to do. I mean, why would you do that? You're probably going to get fired. Yeah. Okay. God has given us this, this biblical view of how we need to see marriage. I mean, from the very beginning in Genesis one and what God has ordained is good. We cannot change. And he says in Genesis one verses, what is it? 26, he said, then let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them both. Yes. And then he said, he blessed it. And then he said, and God saw that all that he made and it was very good. That's right. You can't change what God has ordained as good. And we are working slowly to try to change everything that God has made good. And it's not good. That's right. God is the author of, how, how much is it? God is God is the ultimate authority over what is good and what yes. is evil. And if we try to take out of the confines of what God has already created as good, mm-hmm. there's no way that it can be good. That's right. And that's slowly what we're doing with marriage is we are trying to put our own twist, our own spin, like sex, for instance, in teaching. It's hard to teach nowadays because everything is so sexualized, every little thing. And so kids, they get on TikToks, they want to make these TikToks and they're making TikToks in my classroom. I'm like, what are you doing? And half of them, you know, they're, they're doing different things. I'm like, what is that song about? What is that dance doing? What are you, what are those movements you're making? Like everything down to the, the, the smallest thing is now sexualized to the point that it's outside of marriage. And it's just ordained as, you know, regular. I mean, listen to any pop music, go watch any music video. Yeah. No joke. No joke. It's ridiculous. And so we, we have to work by putting the sanctity of marriage back together. That's right. In this, in this study, David Kuzak, and he was talking about the, the verse that, that they will become one flesh. It says, in this sense, there's no such thing as casual sex. Every sexual relationship at least begins, uh, begins a one flesh bond. The bond will either be something beautiful or it'll be something grotesque. There, there is, there is no in between. And because, because the, and we can get off onto the whole scientific things that happen when, when you have sex, right. And the way that, because it is designed to bring two people together, yes. right. That's the reason why you're supposed to consummate a marriage, right. Because it, it bonds you together and, um, well, and it creates that union and right. we work so hard outside of unity in our marriages that we, we wonder why things don't work. It's because you don't go into a marriage thinking that you 
are going to tell the other person what to do or you're going to go into your own agendas. The whole purpose is to learn to work as a union because God created it as a union. And that was something that I learned probably the hard way. And always I'll tell the story real quick. Um, we, me and my wife, we go through times where, you know, we're hard headed. And if you don't know who a, a BB is, a BB is a person who is very uh, <laughs> thick minded, hard headed. I don't know. Anyways, they're very strong in their stance. I'll put it that way. Well, I'm a Sal and my mom is a Williams. And if you don't know the Williams, they are also very strong willed people. And so two strong willed people trying to make each other see their point, not going to work. So we have this couple that when we get in those situations, we kind of just go to their house and we, we talk about it because they're the kind of the mediator. They tell me if I'm being stupid and they tell my wife if she's being dumb. And so we were sitting there and we were talking and I was just like, you know, I've been praying about this and praying about this and praying about this and praying about this. And I was like, and I don't feel like God is hearing any of my prayers. He's not answering them. I'm not hearing a response to them, nothing. And the lady who's sitting there, uh, which I'm pretty sure she just walks and talks with God every day. That's how I feel. <laughs> She's sitting there and she goes, I got a verse for you. I'm like, okay, that's never good never. because I know I'm about to get called out on something that I've done. And I'm like, this is one of those times I walked in like, I've done everything right this time. It's all her. She was like, okay, buddy, hold on. And so she pulled out this, it was first Peter three, seven. And she said, husbands in the same way, be considered as you live with your wives and treat them with the respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Mm. That hurt. It did. It was a slap in the face, right? Right to the gut. And uh, she goes, so you said your prayers haven't been answered. I said, no. And she said, what did the last part of that verse say? And I said, I don't know, you read it. You know, me being my own sarcastic self. And she said, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. And I said, "Mm, all right. And you don't realize that when you you get married, God sees that as a covenant between Mm -hmm. two people. And he honors that covenant. You are no longer separate people. You are one in the image of God. So when you are married, you have to work together. Why? Because you are now a threat to the devil. Mm. And my mother-in-law put it this way, is that when me and my wife work in unity, there is nothing that our prayers can't do. There's nothing that our prayers can't change. There's nothing, and the devil sees us as a threat. And so when the whole purpose of the devil is to, whatever that unity that you created is to distinguish that, is to get it away, get it it out, sorry, extinguish it, to put it out. And it, that's what his whole point is. And so when I was not working with her and I was praying how I wanted to pray and she was praying how she wanted to pray, no, our prayers weren't being answered because we weren't working in unity. I wasn't mm-hmm. working with her. I wasn't treating her with respect. I wasn't doing anything. I was saying that my, my way is right and that's it. And But that's what we, we forget is that marriage is meant to worship God. Yes. Even unity in sex is there. Like the whole purpose behind sex has to be like-minded. Yes. You have to be like-minded people in marriage in, in your choices, in your friend group, and how you serve others, in your commitments, everything is now in unity. There is there is no you, there is no her, there is just you guys together now. Yes. And that's a hard lesson for a lot of men to learn. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And because we are very stubborn, very stubborn. And so um, this is this is going fantastic. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to talk about. Um, well, we're going to continue to talk about marriage. We'll be right back after this. This portion of Real Men Talk is brought to you by The Jewelers Bench. 
They are a full-service jewelry store offering many styles of gold, silver, diamonds, and gemstones. And all jewelry repair is done in-house so you can get your treasured pieces back as soon as possible. They are also a licensed Citizen Watch dealer. Make sure to visit them today at 1353 Northwestwood or call 573-686-1522. Call or stop in and thank them for bringing you Real Men Talk. If you want to join in the conversation, join us on Thursday nights at 6.30 p.m. We gather with other like-minded Christian brothers to discuss hard-hitting topics that affect men on a daily basis and use a biblical approach to overcome common strongholds that affect our families. We show men the importance of being the spiritual leader of their home and what it means to be a real man in the eyes of Christ. Join us at the Palace of Praise, located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. We meet in room 400 every Thursday. Come be a part of the discussion. Dr. Shami, I come seeking your wisdom. My wisdom is this. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere in your belief. Oh, you are so wise. Yes. Now, why are you carrying a two-by-four? Oh, I'm a member of the religious Woodbonkers, and we believe that if you hit a person on the side of the head with this holy two-by-four, they will feel nothing but pleasure and go immediately to heaven. You believe that? Well, you said believing is all that matters. Yes, I did say that. In fact, let me send you to heaven. Hold on! You're not supposed to die. Wait a minute! There are physical laws. Quit! And one of those laws is that if you hit a person on the head with a 2 by 4 they will experience a lot of pain. Wait, if there are physical laws to obey, then there must be spiritual laws to obey. Now, I didn't say that. Which means I may have to be concerned about truth. I may even have to examine if Jesus was who he claimed to be, which means reading the Bible. Well, now, let's not get rash. Another message from Lifeline Productions, the comic strip of radio at lifelinepro.com. This portion of The Real Men Talk is brought to you by RL Persons Construction. For over 29 years, they have been a regional leader completing projects that include private, municipal, state, and federal agencies of all types. From mass grading, utilities, concrete of all types, to buildings both conventional and pre-engineered steel. You can expect excellence in all aspects of their finished work. Contact them today at 573-686-1323 and let them know you appreciate them bringing you Real Men Talk. If you have a question about this week's show, please drop us an email to realmen at palaceofpraise.com. We would love to hear from you. And now back to the show with Anthony and Kyler. All right, guys, welcome back. Uh, we're going to continue talking about marriage. We're going to move over to Ephesians. Um, this is this is Paul speaking to the Ephesian church. Um, this is something that Ephesians 5.22 is one of the guy's favorite verses, right? Wives, submit yourselves to, the, to, to your husbands as to the Lord, right? We love this verse. Yeah, it does. Submit, woman. That's right. We love it. I, I kid you not. We were, we were at church one time, and I'm not going to mention any names. We were at church, and we were at, you, you know, we have like those, we used to have those dinners a lot, you know. And uh, so we were aligned with the dinner. You know, of course, I had my family with me, and he, he this, this is an older man. He's probably 70 or so. 
at the time. And he said, you know, he said back whenever I was young, he said the women would go in there and the wives and the kids would wait till after the men would eat and, and then they would eat. And I thought, what? How lovely. Yeah, like where, where, where are you getting your information? How, how what version? Because when you, as you read through the rest of this, you know, we like this wives submit your, uh, submit to your husbands as you submit to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife, right? As Christ is the head of the church, we we love this, we love it, you know. Um, he is the savior of the body, so it it almost makes it sound as if the husband is the savior of the body, right? Right. You know, if you if you stop there. Now, as the church submits to the Christ, so also the wives are to submit to, to their husbands in everything. So the first, the, those first twenty two, verse twenty three, and verse twenty four, we're talking about you know the wives submitting to the husbands. We're like, yes, yes, we love it. But then you get to verse twenty five, okay, and and understand. I want to read verse twenty two through twenty four again, just so just so we're clear on it. It says, "Wives, submit to your husbands." As to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of the body. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. And then verse 25 says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with washing of the water by the word. Okay, so that's twenty five and twenty six. So we we love the um, we love the whole you know wives submit their submit your uh, to your husbands and da 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 da. But the command for a husband, the command to, for a husband, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of the water by the word the the mandate on a man's life is so heavy mm-hmm. right because we're we are to, we still have to submit we have to submit to Christ right but our job is to love our wives as Christ loved the church well how did Christ love the church he literally gave his life for the church. You, you know, as men, and we talk about this often, and, um, you, you know, when you look at Jesus as the ultimate example of masculinity, right, or the ex- ultimate example of manhood, what kind of a leader was Jesus? He was a servant leader. Yes. Right? He served the church. He gave himself for the church the entire time he was here on earth. The the three years of ministry he served in, in so many different aspects of life. He he was a leader every with every step, every breath, every word that he took. It was it, it was the voice, the words, the breath of a leader, and it was in servanthood. And we are to serve our wives just as Christ served the church. And we, we, don't, we, we don't like that part of it. And as a matter of fact, most men don't even know how to quote, cannot even tell you the rest of those verses. Yeah, they stop. 
because the the mandate is so heavy. And it said in verse 27, he says, he did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that but holy and blameless in the same way husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself for no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it for as Christ does for the church. The mandate that we have as husbands to love and to care for our wives you know, earlier we were talking about um, the, the the design of marriage, right? In, in the beginning, mm-hmm. it talks about how God, uh, there in chapter two, it talks about how God took out a rib, right? And the purpose of that, there, there's so much symbolism mm-hmm. of the rib being taken out uh, of the man because it wasn't pulled out of the foot, right? Because the woman is not lesser than the man, right? It was pulled out of the side to be equal, co-equal with the man, to be a helpmate, right? But yet taken close from the heart, and yet under the arm to be protected, to be loved and to protected, not because she's weaker in the sense of she's she has less value, but she was given to us as a responsibility. You know, and and we as men we lose sight of this. We're so narrow minded, right? We are so, we are so bad about it. They, they, there's so many times I find myself so narrow-minded. And, you, you know, Dusty and I, we just celebrated 20 years of uh, of marriage. And um, I, I cannot tell you how many times in the 20 years that we've been married that I've caught myself. I've had to go back and repent mm-hmm. because I have been so narrow-minded in things. I have been so pig-headed and um, I have been so... Um, I don't even know how to how to say it. Just just wrong, really. Um, when it boils down to it, you know, I, I'm selfish. Um, you know, and mistreat her. You know, you know that I I get I get so lost in everything else that I'm doing. Um, you, you know, and not all of it's bad, right? Providing, you know, going to work, getting up early. You know, getting up at four o'clock in the morning, go go to work or. Or, or you, you know, all these different things, and come home exhausted, and try to try to to listen for the kids, and and try to you, you know, I, I forget to to help her with dinner. I'll be sitting in a chair and realize that she's making dinner, and you, you know, w- what kind of fool am I that you know here she is, she's taking care of the kids all day, or she's you know she's a teacher, so she's worked all day, you know, and then she's in there making dinner, and I'm sitting in the chair. What kind of you know what kind of example is that? Right, you, you know. And to, to get up off my lazy rear end and go in there and help her because she's tired too. And we lose, we lose sight of these things. And I'm not trying to condemn anybody. These are things that, that I have had issues with that I've had to repent over, you know, that, you know, and, and it's because I lose sight of that. I am to serve her in every aspect of our marriage, you know, that in that servanthood is leadership. Yes. Yes. I like how David uh, Guzik, I think that's how I said his name right. Yeah. I think so. He says, you know, we're submit to one another, but he says submission does not mean inferiority. Submission does not mean silence. Submission means submission. 
There is a mission for Christian marriage that the mission is obeying and glorifying God. The wife says, I'm going to put myself under that mission. And you can say the husband says, I'm going to put myself under that mission. It can go vice versa. Mm -hmm. The mission is more important than my individual desires. I'm not putting myself below my husband. I'm not putting myself below my wife. I'm putting myself below the mission that God has for our marriage and for my life. Yes. Yes. And what is that mission? To worship God. Yes. To edify and glorify God. That's it. There, That image came to me. Um, we were talking about earlier how the the rib was pulled from Adam's side. Mm-hmm. And I think back to when Jesus was on the cross. And hopefully this makes sense when I say it because it makes sense in my head. But sometimes I have troubles trying to get that <laughs> yeah. picture out. But when God, Jesus was up on that cross, he was stabbed in the side. He was wounded for our transgressions. When that bone was pulled out of the side and, and Eve was made, they were made to walk hand in hand, just as Christ was made to walk hand in hand with us. And now he does walk hand in hand with us through every single transgression that we have. When he was stabbed in his side, when he was wounded for our transgression, he literally walks with us through every single season, through every single trial, through every single bad and good time that we have. Just like in our marriages, we are supposed to walk through the hard times and the good times. And that's the part that we miss is that not everything's good all the time. Sometimes we fight. Sometimes we, we say things that we don't mean. Sometimes we, we do things and we, we worked out. We, we get out of that unity in our marriage. We get out of the order of God. And sometimes all we need is just a simple reminder and not, not to take off our wedding band and say, you know, I'm not married anymore, or, you know, to file for a divorce. Sometimes we just need help. And that's where it, it saddens me when, when I'm talking to people and there's this couple that, or this person I work with and I was talking to her and she, she was just like, you know, I just don't know how much longer I can do this. And, you know, I asked her and I said, you know, what, what's wrong? And, you know, like he'll come home and he's, he's a really good dad, but he doesn't treat me well. He doesn't, he, he talks poorly to me. He talks down to me. And he, he had that biblical view that wives should submit to their husband. But he didn't realize that he also wasn't serving his wife. He didn't keep reading the rest of the story. And that's often what we do and why our marriages fail is that we don't read the whole story. We don't read through the rest of the stories that we also have an action in marriage. We think that our actions stop after we provide. And that's not how it is. You are setting a role model for your kids. You're setting a role model model of how Christ served the church. You are to serve your wife. Right. And Christ puts the church first in everything. And that's where the biblical order of marriage comes from. It's God, then your spouse, then your kids. Yes. And, and that's what we get out of order is we get so caught up in our kids that we forget about our wives. And I'm horrible at that. If you ask my wife, I mean, ask me the last date night I planned and she'll probably tell you it's been a long time. And, <laughs> and I know I need to be more intentional about those things. I just don't think about it. And she knows that we, we still have our times where we sit down at nighttime. We do devotion at times or we'll sit down for, you know, five, 10 minutes at dinner by ourselves, or we'll sit down in front of the TV when all the kids go to sleep. We, we still make time for ourselves, but we forget that we have to make sure that our wife's needs are met. And as men, we can't, we can't forget that sanctity and unity in our marriage. If we don't have a unity between your wife and you, it's not going to work out. Your prayers aren't going to be answered. You're going to seem like there's just push and push and push back all the time. You're just going to, you're not going to be happy. You will never find fulfillment. Like we said earlier, you will never find fulfillment outside the order of God. Yes. And that order is God, your spouse, then your kids, and then everything else. That's right. You know, and, and you were talking about, um, you, you know, us, the, the way that we love our wives, right? So 
So one of the reasons why men have such a hard time with this is because we don't really understand what love is. Right. Right. Uh, we go back to the culture. Culture has, has uh, along with the uh, um, dis- dis- uh, distorting the, the view of sex, they, they've distorted the view of love. Yes. You know, and one of the ways that, that we are taught, right, as men, we are taught that, that we are to love our wives to, is to provide for them. Right. So when we come home, we think we've done our job. Right. We went to work. We put in our time. Right. And and it doesn't it doesn't stop there. It doesn't it doesn't. You know, there's so many different types of uh, uh, ways to, to love your wife. And that's just one facet of it. And I know that it see it can be overwhelming. I get it. Yes. You know, I mean, and I'm not trying to, to, to pat myself on the back or anything like that, but it, I mean, I get it. I know what it is to work. I know what it is to have to come home to your wife. I know what it is to, to raise six kids along, you know, along beside your wife, right? Nobody, she can't do She couldn't do that by her, by herself. I cannot do that by myself. And, and so we work together, right? And here, here's the, here's another thing, men, you need, especially if you have children, this is something that you need to understand. When you are raising the next generation, they're watching you. Yes. Okay. You want to teach your sons how to treat a woman. They will treat a woman the same way you treat your wife. Yes. You want your daughter to marry a good man. She will marry the same type of man that you, the way that you treat your, your wife. So if you're abusive, if you're mean, if you're mean spirited, and yet you want your your daughter to marry somebody who's good and, and loves Christ, it's probably not going to happen, nope. right? If you want if you want your husbands or your boys to grow up to be godly husbands to take care of their wives, and yet you mistreat your wife or you, you don't you don't uh, you don't show her any kind of affection or you don't uh, you don't pay any attention to her or you're mean to her, your boys are going to be the same way. Exactly. You want an example of how a, a, your daughter, uh, you should love your wife the same way that you want your boys to treat their wives in the same way that your daughter finds a man. Yes. Uh, men, we set the standard. That's right. And if we can't set a good standard, how can we expect them to want any more? That's right. Because we're the leaders of our homes. Mm-hmm. You know, we are, uh, and, and again, that goes back to the, to the very design you know, we may be, um, God may have, uh, he, he, uh, I don't, how am I trying to say this? Um, he may have, have put you together, but he expects you to be the leader of that home. He puts you in place to be the leader because he's giving you, he's giving you influence. And this great girl show, he says, you know, influence is leadership. And, you know, you have influence over your wife, you have influence over your children. Um, you know, of course, there's always that statistic that that uh, that we like to talk about. You know, if, if a child comes to, to know the Lord, there's like a 3% chance the rest of the family will come to know the Lord. If the, if the mother comes to know the Lord, there's like a, a 30% chance the entire family come to know the Lord. But if the husband comes to know the Lord, the husband and father, there's a 90, like, like 93% chance the entire family is going to come to know the Lord yes. because you are the leader and that that's in, that is in everything that is in everything. And so the, I, I, 
I'm reading this book and and we'll get to it later, but there's something that that I've noticed in this book is the word intentionality that is used so many times. Yes. And it really is the way that we should live our lives. We should, everything that we do should be intentional. Yeah. The way that we love our wives, the way that we serve our wives, the way that we love our children, the way that we spend time with our children, the ministries that we do, you know, we will intentionally do our hobbies. We like those things. Right. Right. We'll, we'll go to work because we have to, it's not intentional. It's like a, uh, um, it's more of a, um, uh, you, you know, a mindless thing. A lot of times you, you find guys who just go show up to work because they know they have absolutely no other option. Right. Yeah. And, um, but it, you know, it, it's only intentional enough to, to pay their bills and that's it. Right. Uh, and the, they'll be intentional with kids sports. Right. This thing, I had this discussion with somebody today. It makes me fighting mad. You know, um, the the amount of things that people miss out on because of sports, you know, uh, family events, um, uh, church events. You know, there is so much more. And, and I'm not talking bad about sports. I get it. Sports, sports are good. Right. Sports are healthy for for a young kid. Sports are, you know, uh, and Kyler, I know you're a coach, but um, I'm with you. You know, you know they're good. There's purpose in sports. They're good. You know, they teach. They teach uh, work ethic. They teach. You know, team 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 work ethic. They teach. Uh, you know, the um, humility. You know, they they teach a lot of things, right? But they are not the end all, meet all uh, of anything. More than likely, your your kid is not going to go to the NBA. Your kid is not going to go to the NFL. They're not going to go to the MLB and more than likely when they get to college, they're going to hate the sport because that's all they've ever done. Uh, and I knew this, this young lady, she played softball and I, I won't mention her name, but she played softball her entire life. I can't tell you how many church events that she missed and youth events that she missed all this stuff. And she got the scholarship, went to college, hated it. She's like, I'm done. She quit. She came home. You know, she didn't want nothing to do with it. And there's, there's reason, but she was tired of it. Yes. You know, come there are some more important things that, than sports for your kids. God is more important. Anyways, okay, that's my rant. I'll stop. But seriously, the things that we hold important and that we are intentional about, our children will hold important and are intentional about. That, that's it. Yes. And that's what it goes back to is we have to make sure that we're creating a good standard. And if you've never listened to Fierce Marriage, um, with, uh, oh, who is it? Selena, Roger, Frederick. They are this amazing couple. Me and my wife did this thing or did their book. It's, and it brings you unity in marriage and it's called oneness. Um, and they say four ways to, to build a better marriage and to build a lasting marriage. And it says one is trusting God, but you have to trust in God together. Trust that God's going to provide all your needs, trusting God that he's going to take care of all your worries in life. And then he says, have honest conversations here not not speak listen mm-hmm. listen what your spouse is telling you husbands or wives whatever they're saying but have honest conversations but listen and this is build your friendship have fun go out and do things together enjoy each other we often forget that majority of the time when we get married because we don't have arranged marriages much anymore you were friends first that's right stay friends stay dating your wife keep that important and then it says to serve others your marriage has a purpose that is greater than you. Ask God what your calling is. What is your purpose for marriage? 
I was listening to this podcast and it said, what is your identity? How, how, how do you want your marriage to be identified with Christ? And so pray, pray about your identity. Your calling is, is a part of your identity. What is your identity going to be for God? And when you do those four things, it'll, it'll help you create a stronger relationship. It's not going to say that it's going to be perfect. There's, there's no perfect marriage. The only perfect marriage is Jesus in the church. And that's because he knows exactly how it's supposed to be and what is good. But we can take steps. We can do things to better our marriage, to better the standard that we are setting for our kids, to better who we are in Christ, to create a better unity with our wives. That's right. You know, and you wonder why this, this is something I, I wanted to get to. You, you know, another thing that we, we misunderstand about, about marriage, you know, and we see it there in Ephesians is, is marriage is, is symbolic along with, you know, the, the, it being created by God and all these different things. It is a mirror image, right? A husband and a wife is a mirror image of Jesus's relationship with the church, right? That's the reason why husbands are, are supposed to love their wives as, as Christ loves the church. And the reason why marriage is so um, not sought after, so miscued today in our in our culture is because our culture is pulled away from Jesus. Yes, right. And it, what it all what, what it all boils down to at the end of the day, what it all boils down to is we have to get back to Jesus mm-hmm. intentionally. Just like yes, we have to get in it. We have to love our wives. We have to do all those. But when you fall in love with Jesus, right? As husbands, when you begin to fall in love with Jesus, you will begin to fall in love with your wife. Yes, because that is this, that is that is Jesus's design, right? So often, you you know, we either we either hate ourselves, right? We don't want anything that we we hate ourselves. So, so we, because we don't love ourselves, we can't love anybody else. Right. Or, or we are so blind and so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not lazy. Um, so good grief. Um, content in our own filth, I guess that's not the word I'm looking for, but, um, there's a word for it. Anyways, so we're so content with just being mediocre in in everything that we have no drive for our marriage. We have no vision. That's that that's a good way to put it. We have no vision for our marriage. We have no vision for our lives. Right. So we have no vision for our marriage. You know, and I'm not saying that uh, that you you know you're going to set a goal of being a millionaire. By the time you're 50 and, you know, you're going to have, um, you, you know, three kids, two dogs and a cat and a Bentley. And, you, you know, that like that's that's not what I'm talking about. Right. You, you know what I mean? But how you raise your your children, how you're going to love your wife. You know, what are you what are you going to do to serve the Lord? Are you and your wife inside ministry? You, you know, are you accountable to other uh, other couples Are you know, are you, uh, you know, if you are, you know, 
in a rocky spot. There's nothing wrong with counseling. If you just need somebody to talk to, do you have a couple that you can go talk to? Do you have somebody that, that you're a couple that you're feeding into? There should be constant flow of life. Just like, you know, I, I talk all the, all the time, but us as men, you know, we should have a Paul and we should have a Timothy, right? Yes. It's no different in our marriage. You know, we should have marriages that, that, that we surround ourselves with that pour into us, correct? And that we pour into. There should be this constant flow of, of, uh, of, um, uh, not favor, uh, uh you, you know, of, man, I, I have really lost my words today. Um, of, uh, of spirituality, I guess, you, you know, that's not really the word that I'm looking for, but it'll fit, you know, a spirituality, you know, moving, you know, that you're getting fed into and you're pouring into somebody else. So there's this constant flow and, and allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and work through you. And all that stuff is so important. You know, the way that, the way that you raise your children and the way that you love your wife and the way that, that, that the family bonds together, that this is all be, because it, Again, again, it is is symbolic of how Christ loves the church. Yes, you along with reproducing, having children, reproducing. Uh, yeah, reproducing. I got uh, that one for you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sorry, guys. I don't know if I'm tired or what, but um, you know, reproducing. You know, along with all those different things, the the marriage is designed to be symbolic. And that symbolism is important. It is important to God. It is important to the design of society and culture. Yes. Yes, it is. And there's always, when you maintain a biblical view of marriage, you're always going to work in the order of God. And that's, it's, marriage was created to serve God. And how we use our marriage to serve God is ultimately how we are going to identify with ourselves. Because like we've said before in this podcast and before, is that we are here to serve God. We were creatures made to worship God and through all of our actions, through everything we do, through our marriage, through everything, we are worshiping God. We are creating a desire to want to be closer to God and through procreation, through intimacy, through the social order that we create in our marriage, through everything, how we define our marriage, all that is worship back to God because it was so important to him that from the very beginning, he ordained it. And anything that, I mean, if I want somebody to hear something, I always put it at the very beginning. It's important. And if I say it multiple times, like he said multiple times throughout the Bible, how marriage should be, then you need to remember it. And we, we have to work inside that, that biblical view of marriage. Yes, 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 yes. You know, and so, um, if you guys have got any questions about marriage, uh, you know, maybe you're young, you're thinking about getting married. Um, you, you know, or maybe you, you've been married and you're struggling or maybe, maybe you're not even struggling. Maybe you just got questions. Um, you, you know, email us real men at palsprings.com. Um, you, you know, you can always contact us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Uh, if you like what you've heard, please share it. Um, you know, the more, the more you share it, the more the algorithm, it, you know, gets, gets going and, and it, it gets out to other people. Um, and so know that that God is hey, God created marriage. He loves your marriage. Um, he He is for you. He is not against you. He loves you. He wants to see you succeed. He wants to see your marriage succeed. And um, you know. And as always, I want to end in a prayer. Holy Spirit, guide us to be leaders of our homes, 
of our communities and of our churches and teach us to be godly, courageous men. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Real Men Talk, brought to you by Palace of Praise Church in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. If you would like to get in touch with us, shoot us an email, realmenatpalaceofpraise.com or visit our website at palaceofpraise.com. If you're a man age 16 and up and would like to be a part of the conversation, join us at the Palace of Praise every Thursday night at 6.30 p.m. If you don't have a home church, consider joining us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. Palace of Praise is located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. New episodes of Real Men Talk drop every Thursday at 5 p.m. You can find us at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Anchor.fm, Amazon, and more. Real Men Talk is a production of Palace Media Service. Real Men Talk has been brought to you this week by RLP Construction in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For commercial contracting of all types, see RLP Construction today. And by the Jewelers Bench in Poplar Bluff. They are your one-stop shop for all your fine jewelry needs. They also do in-house repair and are your citizen watch dealer. Make sure to thank our sponsors for bringing you Real Men Talk. If you want to join in the conversation, join us on Thursday nights at 6.30 p.m. We gather with other like-minded Christian brothers to discuss hard-hitting topics that affect men on a daily basis and use a biblical approach to overcome common strongholds that affect our families. We show men the importance of being the spiritual leader of their home and what it means to be a real man in the eyes of Christ. Join us at the Palace of Praise, located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. We meet in room 400 every Thursday. Come be a part of the discussion.